This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Gasping for Blood. Hello this is Menaka Rao reporting for this episode of Gasping for Breath. The second season of Gasping for Breath is on long covid in India. This is the last reported episode in the series. In this episode I would like to talk about something more hopeful. And I use the word hopeful very cautiously here and most certainly not in the context of a cure. Chronic diseases such as long covid have ebbs and flows. Long covid is a constellation of symptoms and we do not have the cure for it. Living with long covid is hard. But after I spoke to Girish I felt hopeful and not only because he is feeling better than before but because his outlook seems to have changed over a period of time. And I think it made sense to end an otherwise bleak series with this episode. I spoke to Girish Pasupati after nearly 6 months in july he is a computer engineer from coimbatore and if you remember him from the first episode he had several symptoms after covid which got worse after he took the first dose of vaccine he says he was more or less bed bound at the time like many others he to experience severe fatigue racing heart rate and severe joint pain among other symptoms and he had seen a whole lot of doctors who dismissed his symptoms at the pretext that all his tests were normal so thing is none of the treatments were working or everybody was prescribing one or the other supplements anti anxiety pills and antidepressants right so this is what i have been getting and none of it were even closely helping like even 10% no no improvement so i had to start reading what is it why is it so hard to treat or even diagnose right so i started reading a lot of papers and as part of that every paper i learned right uh, i i i will come across a whole bunch of jargons so i uh, it, it it took like couple of months a uh, couple of months every day whenever i'm uh, i can right on mobile phone on the bed right i just kept reading the long covid papers uh, taking notes um, and understanding what is it medically and that's how uh, i have to take it in my own hand like how how to proceed to doctor how to uh, seek for treatment right i have to advocate for myself so just saying the symptoms if you listen to my symptoms right it totally uh, it feels like it some somebody had done a black magic right so it's like all the symptoms doesn't make sense but it, it really that's how it's been in long covid with so many patients we describe it's really hard so for instance if i say when i sit and stand my heart rate shoots up and i feel chest pain and breathless like uh, kind of i feel like dizzy fainting so it it it's like everybody asks how is that even possible if you just sit and stand maybe it's anxiety right so that's how the most uh, uh, people respond to long covid or post covid condition as it has been classified now has more than 200 identified symptoms and that's what the who says but most often this is misdiagnosed as anxiety around october girish joined the long covid survivors telegram group this is the time where i actually joined uh, uh, the post covid survivors group in india telegram one and that's where i reached out to its founder padma priya asking if she has any uh, contacts or any uh, idea on uh, doctors in coimbatore the 
place where I live, someone is knowledgeable in post-COVID. And uh, that's when she posted it on Twitter. Uh, and some of her followers uh, replied, uh, this is a doctor who is aware of uh, post-COVID-1. And as Girish already said, he had some bad experiences with doctors in the past. But this doctor, he felt more comfortable with. The doctor was more empathetic and did not dismiss him. And he felt that he could collaborate with him. This doctor first prescribed some steroids, which did not work for him. It's around this time that he came across a paper on microclots being one of the causes of long COVID. This is when the paper came out from South Africa regarding microclots. And I visited him saying that the steroids at a high dose, I'm having some side effects. And he acknowledged that these side effects are due to steroids. And he asked if there is any symptom improvement. No, it's not the case. So I discussed with him about this paper. Can I have microclots? I want to be clear here, microclots is considered just one of the theories known to cause long COVID. Etheresia Pretorius, a physiologist at Stellenbosch University in South Africa, and Douglas Kell, a systems biologist at the University of Liverpool, UK, are leading the research on microclots. Another theory is the possible persistence of the virus itself, perhaps in the gut, even after the active infection stage is over. And the third theory is that the immune system has gone haywire and is unable to reset itself from the active mode during the infection to idle after COVID infection dies down. And any of these three mechanisms could be at work or possibly all three work in tandem for long COVID patients. We discussed this in an earlier episode exploring the science of long COVID. Coming back to microclots, it cannot be detected in the usual tests such as D-dimer for instance. Girish's doctor was apprehensive about any kind of treatment before testing it. He was saying, yes, uh, microclots, fine, but how do you test for it, right? Uh, he asked me, how can, as a clinician, right, without proof or anything, right, how can I prescribe you on what basis, right? So we need to have some clinical basis. So I am completely with him. I mean, uh, because if people, doctors who are mostly based on science and the diagnosis, right, so they can't just be going blind, right? So I completely agree with him on that. And uh, he ordered a bunch of tests, but this microclot one was not there. So I told him if this can be tested out, but he said uh, no one tests it out because this is not a standard one. So he asked me if I could get tested in a the lab, then it's well and good. So that's that's the state I was in because for me to start the treatment, I need to have some basis. So I was very curious to try the treatment, but the entire thing that's hindering was proof. Some Something that says I possibly can respond well to the treatment. The challenge was now to find a laboratory which will do this test. Again, he had to resort to the internet to figure out what kind of equipment labs would need for this test to be done. What kind of microscope, what kind of processes, etc. So I went to a bunch of labs. Uh, these are very uh, top labs. Uh, they have a fluorescent microscope, which is often used in uh, research setting. Uh, it's very expensive device as well. So normal labs won't have the fluorescent microscope. So I reached out to them and told them that I have a bunch of tests which are related to coagulation like D-dimer and uh, the INR and uh, PT and APT. So 
those tests and i i asked them there is an additional test that's based on a, a research paper which is newly recently out and it all it needs is uh, uh, your regular process initial process where you collect the blood in a tube and then subject it to centrifuge and uh, the only thing is after centrifuging you take the sample output and uh, inspect it under a fluorescent microscope it's like the fluorescent microscope is if present much much better but if not a normal student light microscope is also a very good indicator just that the procedure has to be done little more cautiously uh, but still they were hesitant because uh, this one was not a standardized one so they said uh, we don't want to entertain this sort of a uh, thing i was desperate right because i had if i had to start a treatment i need to have some sort of a proof so i had to do it so i was motivated enough that i can do it it's, and uh, the next thing is i am not going to do it myself i i was sure that i can find like there are hundred of lab labs in my city i am i was confident that i could find one at least one knowledge knowledgeable person who is curious enough to try this so i finally found one i gave the coagulation tests uh, but that too wasn't easier to convince them so first they were curious but then the lab administration and everybody right so they don't want to do it so they uh, the technician called me and said no the uh, administration is not um, allowing us to do that it it will uh, affect their regular uh, blood tests and their regular work basically so then uh, it went on for like uh, five uh, one week uh, i i didn't get response from them then i tried to ask them again like if they could consider it is uh, a one off case because anyway you are taking all the coagulation tests uh and it isn't much different and it wouldn't take much of your time and so they said yeah so let's think about it and one i can only come for the test when there is a like the lab is free and uh, they they have a free time so they, we finally decided on an appointment and uh, i went there and gave the test and i shared them the procedure before uh, going to that place for the test right i uh, took a print out of the paper i also took notes on the way the test needs to be done from uh, like whatever i have read and i shared everything with them and uh, i asked them so this is the process you need to repeat i even studied about uh, some processes of the coagulation test so that i know how much of the processes do overlap and what will be different so that i can clearly explain them and they got it much better whatever i explained and uh, they said yeah it shouldn't take much time and it shouldn't disturb their regular work and they they did it for me the results can be obtained in like 30 to 40 minutes it doesn't take much time so there they did the process and they captured the output of uh, it in a from a microscope so they viewed the sample uh, under a microscope and then they captured it and i don't know if it was the one that we are looking for uh, because i'm i mean not uh, anything related to medical right so i don't have much knowledge so i posted on twitter uh tagging the researchers who posted this paper ask them uh, this is what i got after following the uh, process listed in the paper and uh, the professors and the researchers were gracious enough to reply that my photo of that microclot resembles very close to what they have captured in their labs so then i was really confident uh, that uh, uh, i have microclots and maybe I mean I don't know if anticoagulants would work or not but it's worth giving a try because they have published a paper on December 
ट्वेंटीएथ और ट्वेंटी ड्यूरिंग द क्रिसमस टाइम वेर दिस इज अ न्यू पेपर वेर दे पब्लिश दैट इन साउथ अफ्रीका ए कोहॉट ऑफ ट्वेंटी फोर पेशेंट्स हु सफर फ्रॉम सिमिलर सिम्टम्स जॉइंट एक्स टैकी कार्डिया ऑन पोस्टरल चेंज राइट एंड दोस पीपल रिस्पॉन्डेड वेल टू द एंटीकोआगलेंस ट्रीटमेंट so i i uh, showed this paper also to my doctor uh, and uh, uh, we arrived at a treatment protocol and he started the treatment and couple of days later i started the treatment this paper he is talking about is an early version of a preprint which shows that 24 people who had long covid who were treated with a combination of two antiplatelet therapies and an anticoagulant experienced some relief The evidence for this kind of treatment though is limited as the study is a small one. Girish was obviously very keen to get the tests done and start the treatment. But we have to remember this entire exercise was done in collaboration with his doctor. We at Suno India do not want to encourage our listeners to do the same. After treatment, Girish started feeling better. Again I want to make a disclaimer here that we do not know if the experimental anticoagulant therapy is the reason for the reduction of his symptoms but the pain in his joints and bones had reduced considerably he also started acupuncture and hyperbaric oxygen therapy which he says helped him with some other symptoms I'll explain hyperbaric oxygen therapy it is used to speed up healing of carbon monoxide poisoning gangrene wounds that won't heal and infections in which tissues are staved of oxygen for this therapy you enter a special chamber to breathe in pure oxygen in air pressure levels 1.3 to 3 times higher than the average and the goal is to fill the blood with enough oxygen to repair the tissues when uh, the hyperbaric oxygen therapy was done for 15 sessions um it was done on april uh, may and june uh, i don't uh, have any crashes severe crashes that made me bed bound for day or two it the, the the exertion always comes in but once i rest for a couple of hours it goes back and i can be normal again one small clinical trial with long covid patient shows that hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been documented to provide relief to those with long covid my fatigue uh, improved like uh, the amount of energy that i have to do things per day improved a lot more so uh, right now i can manage uh, after the treatments i am in a state where i can manage a full time work um and uh, that's how big the improvement it is um i can walk uh, 4000 steps or easily without getting tired so the, the thing is i had to now if i had get if i had to get tired i need to maybe start running or doing some exercises uh to make me really tired but sitting and working thinking or uh even walking 1000 steps doesn't tire me out but the thing is i still have those symptoms uh, i would say i can function better i can uh walk for some distance and uh, i had to sit down uh, get done with the like uh, regain some energy then i can walk so that's how it is so i'm just very much happy i can get back to my routine and do things though not at the pace or capacity that i used to but it's a start now it's all about pain management and trying to lead a normal life so i mean normal life in the sense at least i can be on my own rather than 
डिपेंडिंग ऑन अदर्स आई एम ऑप्टिमिस्टिक एंड आई एम ट्राइंग माई बेस्ट फ्रॉम माई पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू रीडिंग एंड रिसर्चिंग एंड ट्राइंग टू फाइंड थेरापीज और ट्रीटमेंट बेस्ड ऑन वॉट सिम्टम्स आई हैव देर इज वन सिम्टम स्टिल दट्स वेरी मच बॉदरिंग मी एंड स्केयर्स मी द मोस्ट इज माई शॉर्ट टर्म मेमरी राइट सो नन ऑफ दीज थेरापीज एंटीकोग्लेंस फिक्सड इट बट द ओनली थिंग इज आफ्टर स्टॉपिंग इट uh the memory went back to the same state it's like uh, i do forget a lot of things uh, so that is the one that's really concerning me now um because see uh, i can even maybe survive on a wheelchair right but if i do enter the zone of uh, cognitive decline and uh, dementia like uh, disease right i don't think it's sustainable Yeah. how do you think you have uh, changed as a person how do you deal with people like you know because you seem to be able to talk about disability very easily now oh, mentally i have become a much much stronger person on the personal side right nowadays uh, i don't know i uh, uh, i got to a point where i'm very much content with myself this though my social interactions are very very less right i don't feel sad about it i i am nowadays i am just enjoying the time with myself right so i do something on my computer or uh, do some work read some book i really enjoy the time with my own again my energy is precious, precious and i don't want to uh, spend it with those people explaining about my issues so uh, i have limited my uh, uh people's interaction a lot lot more i don't text my friends or anyone anymore uh but i i am really happy uh doing my things because even uh, this uh, disability right not even able to take bath uh the pain that i had while showering right that has taught me that i uh, it's a sense of happiness or satisfaction that even a small thing that i am doing right i am really enjoying that i am doing it in my work when it comes to work uh i'm much more relaxed nowadays i don't get stressed about anything um i mean if something happens it happens if i can't complete something in a deadline it's okay it's just a deadline i i mean we are we got to miss it that's okay uh, still, so this kind of a person i just view this whole world differently um now um and i can empathize with Uh, other sufferers who are like uh, having chronic illnesses much more so that's how understanding i have become how did you reach this level i'm just curious like did you go through therapy or like something or you're just yeah huh. i took therapy uh, the thing is i took therapy because my family and others kept telling it's all mental and therapy would help right so but i was fortunate enough to have a very good therapist who knew that my symptoms are real and millions around the world are experiencing it she approached me as a long covid patient who who should learn to cope up with the symptoms in the sense how to pace um how to accept that this is the situation that i am in so sort of acceptance mindfulness so she taught me a lot of practices which i still do visualization and stuff so that's how uh i have 
sort of uh, become very more much more relaxed much more calm uh, yeah i do get severe let's say few days i even get severe chest pain and things but uh, i mean i i'm not worried about anything uh, bad happening uh, i just have accepted it girish says that advocating for himself as a patient has helped him communicate with his doctors better he started noting his symptoms down to help doctors find a better diagnosis and treatment with long covid we have a collection of symptoms which actually bothers us most of the times but the only thing is we need to prioritize if you throw too much information to doctors also they get bombarded and there is always something that can go off and the diagnosis can be misleading right so i started maintaining a symptom diary on when this happens how like on what scenario what sort of situation exacerbates this symptoms and stuff so that way uh, they can really uh, know when that happens and so that will uh, give them a clue on why this could be happening right so so i so it's like what we say is the data right so if the data comes out better they can analyze it better as doctors so that's what i started working on the eventual goal is to get 100% better or like uh, how we are all used to be before the illness but uh, it can't happen or in most cases it doesn't happen overnight right so so that's the acceptance that i got into okay this is going to be there for a while but how can i start managing the symptoms now when i go to the doctor the first thing i always is uh i speak to them in a order that where the symptoms are most disturbing to least disturbing right so from the doctor's perspective they want to diagnose something so if i have two symptoms right and the one is the most debilitating one for me i would start the discussion on that and that's how it has been like uh, my bone pain and the joint pain was so much severe that it restricted my movement so i thought okay first let's fix this right what can the doctors do uh, to treat each of the symptoms that's what i thought and uh, that communication went well so doctors were able to grasp it and uh, they were able to treat uh, or order relevant tests and uh, therapy helped on that side like uh, on the mindfulness i started doing practices i started uh, uh, being my more mindful and w- like started uh, noticing and uh, writing down the symptoms so maintaining a symptom diary is something that i would uh, uh, recommend to every patient so that i learned from uh, other chronically ill patients so um, and then before a test i read about the test uh, i read about it and uh, what sort of preparation needs to be done from my patient side right say a cardiac mri or a anything right because people can easily in when it comes to mri i can be like uh, claustrophobic and uh, i might not cooperate well right like so there are always cases when it comes to these sort of tests right even in hbo the hyperbaric oxygen therapy it's done in a closed chamber for me and uh, and it's done at a higher atmospheric pressure so uh, it really can be scary so i need to uh, be not anxious or like scared of something so i need to manage my uh, fear of let's say being in a mri machine or so i practice so i visualize i'm in an mri machine and this is how it can go wrong or like i mean the noise can be louder 
or things like that and uh, they might ask me to do certain things or when i get a contrast i might feel differently so i just need to maintain my calm and composure right so that's how i prepare it there is no doubt that long covid is not studied as much and that there are too few effective and proven treatments available and that the wait for better treatment could be very long but despite these limitations girish says that people living with long covid can advocate for themselves back themselves up and their own experiences so the thing is doctors might have studied hundreds of degrees right they are very very knowledgeable but the most knowledgeable person about your body is you right nobody can complete any phd on what you feel right Thank you.